Xavier, I'd be rich if I had a dollar every time I heard someone say, man, I wish I knew 20 years ago what I know today about money. They need to be teaching about this stuff in school. Like the power of investing early. Compound interest. That alone would impact lives. Understanding and planning for taxes. Understanding the difference between both good debt and bad debt. Eric, what about all the stuff about money that business owners need to know? What kind of insurance should you be buying? The importance of contributing towards your retirement. They don't teach any of this stuff in school. Y'all sit back, get ready, because we are talking stuff about money they didn't teach you in school that you need to know. Welcome back to the Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School podcast. I am your host, Eric Garcia, Certified Financial Planner. I am flying solo as host today because Xavier is not with me because I failed in telling him about this recording. Yep, I will own it and he will give me a hard time when he's on next show. But I am joined um, by my friend here, Vinny Allard. Uh, Vinny is going to be talking about 401ks today and a lot of changes that are coming down the pike. So Vinny, welcome to the Stuff About Money podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Uh, longtime fan, first time caller here. So I'm looking forward to to being a guest. Okay. All right. Long First time, long time, long time listener. I, I don't listen to radio anymore, so I forgot how that goes, right? <laughs> I think that's first time right? caller. <laughs> Something like that. Some, so so real quick background, Vinny is, um, you're the Director of Advisor National Accounts at Human Interest, a technology forward retirement benefit platform focused on providing affordable automated 401k, 403b. You're in the retirement plan space. That's what people need to know. Okay. Yes. Right. Professionally, that's what you do. But for fun, I'm sitting here looking at the camera and I see behind you a really cool, is that a road bike? No, it's not a road bike, is it? Uh, road bike, gravel bike, all, all kind of does the same thing. But yeah, uh, big into cycling over here. And is that a, is that a, a, a snowboarding helmet back there too? Uh, no, uh, that is actually my downhill mountain biking helmet. So that that's for when we're uh, lift access, hitting some jumps and, and in the dirt. So a little, little bit of everything, uh, full, full block. So you're not. So you're in Boston, in the Boston area, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So do you do that? Do you do this in Boston uh, or do you like? Up in New Hampshire. So about an hour, mm-hmm. same resorts that they do the skiing and uh, and snowboarding at. A lot of times in the summer, they're, they're shifting to biking as it's grown. Yeah, we don't have uh, we don't have um, mountains in New Orleans. We have potholes that they're, they're like inverted mountains, but uh, you can't, you can't mountain bike in them. You, but anyway. you guys do have drive-through daiquiris though. We, we don't have that up here. We, we do have <laughs> We do have drive-through daiquiris in New Orleans. Um, I think many of us would would trade in mountains for drive-through daiquiris. That's right, <laughs> right. And hopefully the weather will start warming up here, and we can, uh, you know, you, you can get them now when it's cold. But you know, daiquiris when it's warmer are much better than daiquiris when it's cold. All right, Vinny, what is one thing about money that you now know that you wish they would have taught you in school? You know, I put a lot of thought into this question because I was prepared for it. Um, listen to a few. Yeah, I can't catch anybody off by surprise anymore. It's well, you know, I know it's coming. It, after you talked to me about the podcast when we had met back in, uh, I think it was November. I, I listened to it a little mm-hmm. bit, and, and then when we scheduled this, I was like, okay, I, I need to have something good. And, and unfortunately, I feel like my answer is not all that original because I wish whether it was college, high school, whatever my finance classes were early on, mm-hmm. that they taught more about personal finance and the impact of saving early, because I think 
much like many others, I got into the trap when I got out of school of, okay, I get a couple bucks in my pocket. I moved out of my home, parents' home into the, you know, near the city, was going out, spending a lot of unnecessary money, you know, running around town. Uh, and of course, being, you know, male in their mid twenties, I think they lead the, uh, the category of discretionary spending or, or useless junk as, as you kind of see, you know, here behind me. Um, and I got myself into credit card trouble and spent a lot of my mid and late twenties recovering from that, which, you know, to our conversation earlier, and, and I'm sure you've talked to many others that really just cannibalizes the savings you can do, whether it's towards retirement or, you know, other objectives and initiatives, down payment on a house, et cetera. Um, so that's it. I, I wish I could could have been a little bit more original. No, so so let me let me see if I understand this right. Original that everyone says they wish they would have saved more when they're younger, but I always find this challenge with with younger people of of experiences, right? The whole YOLO, you only live once versus <laughs> versus saving money and finding that balance. I think that's hard. Mm-hmm. How do you you know? It's hard to to look for. But I, let me just clarify. Um, Useless junk. Your bike's not useless junk. Your guitar is not useless junk. It's probably you probably have built a lot of experience. So there was probably a really good return on 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 that spending, right? The bikes, yes. The guitars, no, because I didn't actually have the time uh, to learn how to play them. My kids got in the way uh, of that. So, so it's you know they're more wall art than than active uh, musical <laughs> instruments these days. Maybe maybe you'll get a return on investment on your kids. <laughs> maybe they'll play them exactly. <laughs> All right, so so you're on. Um, we we have you here today, not to talk about mountain biking, but we are going to talk about uh, retirement plans. So, business owners, lean into this. This is for you. So, all my business owners, client, business owner clients, I want you to lean into this. So, here's some here's some studies. I'm, I'm going to throw some numbers out there. We'll talk about it. Then, uh, we're, what we're really going to want to do is unpack the uh, Secure Act 2.0 that was recently passed, December 29th. Probably half y'all listening have no idea what the Secure Act 2.0, 2.0 meaning there was a 1.0 that happened back in 2019. Uh, 2019, mm-hmm. yeah. And this is this is the second rendition of it. We'll, we'll get into it. But here, here's what according to the National Institute of Retirement Security report. This is back in 2018. They said nearly 60 percent of Americans working uh, lack access to a workplace retirement plan. So six out of ten Americans do not have access to a workplace uh, retirement plan. And there's some data that suggests that retirement benefits are central to employee loyalty. 40% of employees say their uh, their employee benefits or retirement benefits are a key reason to stay with an employer. And 87% of workers say a 401k is a must-have when looking for a new job. So we have six in 10 who don't have a workplace plan. And 87% of people looking for a job say it's a necessary uh, part of them taking the job. So there is a big gap in the retirement planning space. Um, some would call it a crisis. And what we're starting to see in the industry, and in, in, you know, um, I want to hear from your, your thoughts on this, we're starting to see some states actually uh, mandating uh, retirement plans that businesses offer retirement plans to their employees. If not, there's a plan that they're forcing people into and forcing, I don't know if that's the correct word, maybe mandate. So before we hop into the Secure Act, talk to me a little bit about what's happening in the in the industry as it pertains to business owners in small business plans in these state mandated plans. Absolutely. And, and I'll, I'll make sure not to go too deep. So stop me if I uh, if I get off into the weeds. But I think you hit the nail on the head with, you know, secure 1.0 as it was back in 2019. I think that was the official national recognition that there is a retirement crisis. 
since then and even a little before that, you know, we've seen states, you know, it always starts out west with whether it was California, Washington, Oregon, you know, whichever one was first, they've kind of led the way with the state mandate charge. And now if you look big picture, we're seeing 46 states in the nation discussing some type of retirement legislation with 13 states taking it up. And uh, I want to say six or seven states already having plans uh, active, if not more. Um, you know, we have a great resource page on that for business owners who are curious. But uh, I know nothing down in, in Louisiana where where you're at has been uh, uh, discussed too deeply. I think the closest state mandate that you guys have down there would be uh, Mississippi has something coming on board that um, was discussed, nothing uh, formally rolled out yet. Uh, but yeah, we're seeing it across the country because uh, states want to help employers, help employees save and, and give them the tools to do that. So talk to me real quick. What are the mechanics of this? So you have you have a state mandated. Now, I know obviously this is this is not law across a lot of states, but generally, how does it work? You have you work for a business. The company is going to have to offer a retirement plan to their employees. And if they don't, employees are going to have to participate involuntarily in a state-sponsored plan so that everyone is enrolled in some type of mm -hmm. retirement. Is that how it works? So the states are giving, typically what we're seeing, and not all states are the same, but I'd say the vast majority fit into a Roth IRA, a Roth IRA uh, employee employer-organized plan or state-sponsored plan is, is essentially what it boils down to. So if the employer doesn't want to provide some type of 401k, simple, uh, or other type of qualified retirement plan, the state saying, hey, we have this program, you know, most of them are called secure choice, your employees will be able to um, default, uh, or I'm sorry, contribute up to, you know, 6000 uh, per year, same as you know, any other IRA, and it's going to be administered by you, the employer. And in many cases that comes with administrative headaches, payroll contributions, so for nominal costs and dependent on the, I guess, goals and objectives of the employer and you know, what they want to accomplish with that retirement plan, whether it's their own tax deductions and benefits, you know, helping attract and retain talent or just the overall financial health of, of themselves and their employees, you know, that I think will help guide employers on where they want to go, whether it's the state plan, a full on, you know, safe harbor 401k or somewhere in the middle with, yeah. with something in between. So, so it sounds like what the states are doing, they're, they're basically, um, uh, relieving these businesses of some of the administrative headaches of having a plan saying, Hey, we have something that, that your people can participate in. But, you know, as a business owner, you have to make the decision of what's better, something that's state sponsored mm -hmm. or something that is employer sponsored. Me as the, me as the business owner, as the plan sponsor has more control of and can design it and custom design it for my business uh, with more options and what the state's going to provide. Does that sound? It, it is absolutely correct. What you're okay. saying there and, and, one other thought that I would would have on top of that is, you know, when small business owners are, are looking at, you know, who controls what with their plans and, and what they're doing, I would say the vast majority of them don't want to see that control or, or, you know, whatever you want to refer to it as to the government, because typically it's going to be more costly, <laughs> less efficient. The technology is not going to be, you know, as bleeding edge or the benefits aren't going to be as great, but it may be a check the box solution that they don't have to think about. So, Again, it comes back to what do they want to accomplish in the goals of offering a retirement plan. No business owner ever has said these words. <laughs> I want the government telling me how to operate my business. <laughs> and if you're listening and you're a business owner that has said those words that that you want the government operating your business, I would love to hear from you. <laughs> uh, 
All right. So so we see this as a solution to, to part of the, the retirement crisis. And then um, here, you know, last year, kind of the big talk last year was secure to secure 2.0, secure 2.0 is going to happen. And gosh, uh, surprisingly, it was it was there's a lot of consensus across party lines on this, you know, a lot of agreement, which rarely ever happens in, in Washington. And then kind of quietly, unless you're in the industry, um, on December 29th, Biden signed the Secure Act 2.0 into um, into law, and the idea really is to encourage retirement savings, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, um, let's go ahead and and kind of take us on a on a tour here of Secure 2.0. What are some, I mean? There, I think there's like like over 90 provisions of it, and we're not going to hit all 90. And some of them, some of them, we were kind of laughing before joking about some that seems kind of silly like oh, that's kind of that's kind of odd but anyway it's part of, i'm sure someone someone some politician had some interest group that probably wanted that as, as part of it but anyway hit let, let's hit some of the highlights that are going to impact our business owner clients the most that they're going to uh, positively uh, actually I, uh, as i looked at this i think most of them are actually incredibly incredibly positive mm-hmm. to encourage you as a business owner if you do not have a plan you're gonna want to. You're gonna want to consider it because they're making it really attractive for uh, for business owners to to offer plans and help their employees um, save for retirement. Plus, help you save for retirement. Plus, if you're a business owner, don't you want happy employees? You know, we've onboarded we've onboarded about four four one ks in the past month, and we've done um, we've done some enrollment meetings with the employees, and like they're ecstatic. The business owners, I'm talking to you. Your employees are telling me how happy they are to be able to participate in this plan. And oftentimes, um, it's really not that expensive for a business owner to implement these plans. And Secure 2.0 is going to make it even more attractive. So, all right, I'm going to stop talking. You're the expert because you have AIF behind your name, which is accredited investment fiduciary, uh, which is really helpful for people in the 401k space. Yes. Um and I think before we jump into 2.0, I want to just make sure the business owner audience has, I guess, a, a baseline understanding of what Secure 1.0 brought with it. Because much mm-hmm. like 2.0, it was kind of passed with you know a, a big must-pass bill at the end of the year in December of 2019. And, and I think the big takeaway for Secure 1.0 was it allowed business owners to get uh, up to 50% of uh, $15,000 in annual credits over three, I'm sorry, up to $5,000 or 50% of plan costs per year, up to $15,000 for the first three years of the plan. And it introduced a $500 credit for auto enroll. So those were the two big things that, you know, us on on our end as a 401k provider talked a lot about with 1.0. So so let me me, me back up. So if there's any cost associated with administering the plan, a uh, business owner could receive a 50% credit up to $5,000 for the first three years. Does that include, does that include like plan document fees as well as the the annual administrative fees? Okay. Yep, absolutely. And so okay. again, it was up to 50 per, 50% or 15,000. Now with 2.0, it has enhanced that uh, dollar for dollar tax credit up to a potential 100%. Still the $15,000 cap, but for a lot of these small businesses that are starting plants, because again, this qualifies for businesses 50 employees or less. That's the important thing to note. A lot of these benefits for Secure Act start to phase out once you get above 50 employees. 
because let's face it, that's that's where you start to get into the market of or, well, you'd like to think you'd get into the market of everyone offering a plan. But based mm-hmm. on the stats you shared earlier of 60 percent of businesses under 100 employees not providing a retirement plan to their employees, you know, ultimately, we'd like to see that a little higher. But, hey, let's let's take what we can get for for that under 50 crowd and, and you know, handle where it phases out after that. Yeah. Um, but again, a, a double in what you can get for a dollar for dollar tax credit and everything beyond that is deductible. So our first highlight. So if there's any cost, this is a man. This is a fantastic place to start. If you're a business owner, do not have a retirement plan in place. Um, you are going to get a dollar for dollar credit up to the let's call it the first five thousand dollars of costs mm-hmm. to administer the plan, to put a plan in place, to have plan documents written up, to file the 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 fifty five hundreds and all that for the first three years. So basically, it's a fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollar. I mean, credit over three. That's that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and on top of just the credits for administrative costs, I mean, it's a great tie into to the second big benefit with Secure 2.0, and that's the tax credit for employer contributions. So you as an employer are actually being incentivized by the federal government to credit or to match uh, your employees' 401k contributions. So they'll give you up to a $1,000 tax credit per employee who is earning under $100,000. So again, for for employees earning under $100,000, they will give you a $1,000 tax credit per employee for matching. Now, does that provision provision go into effect 2023? Uh, I'd have to get uh, some confirmation on that, but I believe that one is one of the ones that starts up a bit sooner. Um, Okay, so hold on. Okay, so I'm an employer, you're an employee, I is it for the match as well, or just like a profit sharing contribution that, that credit? That's huge. So like I'm giving you a thousand dollars. So obviously I'm deducting that as a business owner. Plus I'm getting an additional credit on that. Yeah, absolutely. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Now is that retro? Not, I say retroactive. We're not going backwards, but like if there's an existing plan in place, does that provision apply to existing plans, or is this just new plans? Is just to this is just to incentivize new new plans, and now it's a little. Or do we even do we even know yet? I was going to say it's a bit unclear at this point where some of these provisions are going to start and stop because, like, if you look at certain provisions, uh, like the mandatory auto enroll, for example, that was another provision of Secure Act that phases in starting in 2025. All plans prior to that are grandfathered and aren't required to have auto enroll. Okay. So much like um, with this uh, credit for matching contributions, while I know it will be for those first three years, uh, I haven't seen anything that says it also qualifies for plans that are outside of that first three years of eligibility. So unless we see something that specifically states it is, I would assume uh, not. Okay. So the mandatory auto enroll, that's a third third provision of of the SECURE Act 2.0. And basically right now, the way it works is employees do not have to, or, or employers do not have to mandate or auto enroll their their employees. It's an option they can, and if they do elect that option today, as a result of 1.0, as you mentioned earlier, they are getting a credit. Correct. Correct. Yep. It's a five. Now, that's not per employee. That's not per employee. That's just a credit for having the plan. So an additional five hundred dollar credit. Yep. Okay. If you have auto enroll turned on, five hundred dollar tax credit. Um, no. For, for clarification, because I've, I've had this conversation with business owners before, like they, they kind of push back, like, I don't, 
I don't want to force my people into it. Here's the thing about auto enroll. Um, that doesn't mean they have to automatically participate. What it does is when they become eligible, they will automatically be enrolled in the plan and they can elect to not participate in the plan and remove themselves from enrollment, correct? Correct. And I think that hits on a, a great um, point to touch on is that it's not that employees don't want to contribute. It's typically that employees just don't sign up. You know, I'm, I'm sure you're you're going to have, you know, a couple folks, you know, at, at whatever company you're at, oh, no, I'm all set. I don't want to, or, you know, I don't have the money to that. That's fine. Those are, you know, going to, there's going to be few and far between, but the vast majority of employees if offered a retirement plan, they're going to participate. They just may have missed the email, not gone to the sign up meeting. So on top of the requirement for auto enroll, one of the other benefits of secure 2.0 is the fact that as a business owner to help entice your employees to come to these, you know, sign up meetings or get involved with the retirement plan, you can offer small incentives such as, you know, gift cards or bonuses to help drive participation in the meeting uh, or the plan rather. And I think that's going to do uh, a couple things for you as, as a business owner. One, it's going to help the overall health of your plan and, and drive your employees to save, which is, you know, great for their futures. But two, it's also going to take away the risk if your plan is not safe harbor uh, of you failing top heavy testing, because the more employees you have participating in the plan, the more mm -hmm. as an owner, you'll be able to defer, which, you know, Eric, uh, I know you're the expert on and you can probably speak better to that where, uh, you're in the trenches there every day. Yeah. And also the more participation in your plan means more assets in your plan, which ultimately drives down the overall cost of the, the plan. So, I mean, there's a, there's a benefit to the employer who most likely is going to have the bulk of the assets in the plan. Uh, the more participate, and this is this is a a, a act in self interest type of thing. Um, the more employee participation you have, that will ultimately drive down the fees of the plan, which is good for you, and it's good for your your employees as well. What else do we have? What else is uh, something in, in Secure Two Point Well, the first few things we've hit on have been the benefits for the employer, um, and I, I think you just you know touched on it there, where you know you mentioned a lot of them are self serving. Um, there's actually a lot of benefits for the participant uh, involved as well with Secure 2.0. Uh, one of them is increased access for part time or hourly employees. So okay. before, where employers were required to offer access uh, to their retirement plan for employees that had. Uh, either a thousand hours or three years of 500 plus hours service, they drop that three year threshold down to two years. So if you're, you know, someone that's working part time and, you know, for whatever reason that may be, you're not going to be excluded from the retirement plan, especially if you're a longer term worker and it's, you know, consistent. I know a lot of folks like um, uh, golf courses, landscaping, you know, seasonal type uh, employers, uh, are excited about that one um, to be able to provide plans to their employees. Yeah, particularly in this labor market, I think anything you can offer as an employer to to keep your your staff motivated and connected to you and build build a culture of of appreciation mm -hmm. from your employees, I think is um, is huge. Okay, well, what else? What else do we have? Uh, well, along those same lines for participants, we have required minimum distributions. So for those that aren't aware, once you hit uh, age seventy two. You're mm -hmm. required to take a set amount from your uh, retirement accounts per year. Uh, effective uh, immediately with that uh, change, it's been bumped to 73. And then within the next couple of years, it's slated to move up to 75, giving folks additional time to 
accrue their assets uh, and before they have to start um, divesting from them. You know, a big reason for that uh, was because people are living longer. There's, you know, mm-hmm. savings gap issues. So they they certainly wanted to address that. Um, not only that, but along the same lines, they've decreased the taxes and penalties if you've missed your RMD and correct it quickly. So, man, that is a brutal, that might, the requirement. So, once you reach a certain age, as Vinny said, you have to start taking your money out. If you do not take your money out, this has to be the maybe the most brutal penalty of anything in the retirement, <laughs> retirement tax code. It's a 50% penalty of the amount, right? It's just something to that effect. It's, it's I'm, so absurd. Yeah, I remember reading it. It was either fifty or twenty-five percent, and it's I think going down to to ten percent. But yeah, they they hit you with a hefty. I believe they considered an excise tax. Yeah, that they levy against you for for missing that RMD. So all the more reason to to work with a professional like Eric to make sure you don't miss that deadline because yeah. uh, it can certainly be a doozy. Yeah, and again, that only applies to you if you are uh, retiring. Uh, or if you're you're of that age, but I'm gonna tell you this: a lot of you listening are like, that doesn't that doesn't impact me. I'm gonna tell you it does because you have parents who are that age who may have amassed some wealth, and that that could will impact any inheritance that you possibly get in the future. So this is something that that although you might be young, keep in mind that if you have parents um, of that age, that they can delay taking out those distributions mm-hmm. if they're turning seventy two and, and and whatnot. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Check with your CPA, your financial planner, your financial advisor on that provision. Encourage the uh, your your parents to take a look at that. And then I did cool. have one. Oh, sorry, I was yeah. going to say no, no. Um, I have one last one that some of the younger folks, uh, or even those with with hefty college debt, may be interested in as well. Uh, Secure 2.0 allows for employers to help folks pay back their student debt. Uh, the language around this one, depending on what you're reading and where, is still a bit murky. I've, I've seen it some places that say. If you can't contribute to a 401k because you're paying loans, then your employer can contribute. Uh, I've seen it other places where the employee has the option to elect their employer to contribute to their 401k. Uh, I'm sorry, to their student loans instead of their 401k. Uh, I expect we're going to learn a lot more about this through the course of the year as it's not slated to take effect until next year, 2024. Um, But I think it's going to take some time from both a a technology, regulatory, and IRS perspective to figure out where all the stars align and how this actually gets accomplished. Um, This is is good government at work. Let's pass a bill and then figure out the implications later. (laughs) We've been talking about this one for a long time. Um, I've I've been having conversations off and on because this has been a provision that they've been... I think this might have been part of the conversation in 1.0 or some other legislation is how can can we... uh, I say we as the industry somehow encourage employers or employees with student debt to pay their debt and then somehow count whether, whether the match could go towards the student loan or some of the things I've read is that if I have student loan debt and I pay off my student loan debt, that could be construed as a contribution to my retirement plan to qualify for a match. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out, but this is this is good news for um, for student loan holders. Uh, we're as, as we're sitting here waiting to see what happens with uh, <laughs> debt forgiveness. Again, gov- good government at work. Let's pass something and then figure out how to implement it later. But uh, mm-hmm. again, all good. All these. This is all good stuff for employers. All good stuff for savers. Another one, and I don't I don't know the exact numbers here. 
Um, but for accumulators out there, we have some of the contribution limits have, have been increased. So for those people over, um, um, did they drop it to 50 or is it still 55 for catch-up contributions? But the catch-up contributions are significantly higher. Uh, yes. Uh, so it's still 60, I believe. Um, it's six, it's, okay. 60, the new provision. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's still the, the same 59 and a half or, or 60, but then increases it to, I want to say $10,000 or 150% of the uh, catch-up amount because they're going to now tie that to inflation. Um, so okay. it, it takes the catch-up contribution immediately up to, I think, $7,000, uh, it might've said from, from six. So there's, there's increases. And then because we're seeing such high inflation, uh, they're going to tie it to uh, to that to make sequential increase increases uh, in the future as as we continue to see that. So uh, I think that's why they put the uh, the language of ten thousand or one hundred fifty percent in there because they they may expect things to continue into the future a bit. Yeah, yeah, um, man, good stuff. What is there anything else in there? I think we we've covered a lot of like the real the the most impactful parts of the plan, correct? Uh, I mean, I think the only other one to address before you get into some of the real nitpicky stuff that, that folks may not have a whole lot of interest in uh, is the emergency withdrawal provision, you know, for participants and, you know, folks that, I mean, I forget the stat, but a lot of folks wouldn't have the money to cover, you know, a $500 emergency expense or something like that. I, f- I forget what the the stats are, but to help folks that are in that situation where they're trying to choose between, do I create an emergency fund or do I save for retirement? It allows them to take uh, or to withdraw $1,000 per year penalty-free, and then they can pay that back over three years penalty-free. So uh, it's an interesting program to help folks with some emergency savings relief um, and then some flexibility to help get that money back into their retirement account. So this might be this might be a little too specific of a question here. If, if someone takes $1,000 out under that provision, mm-hmm. penalty-free, if, if it was a traditional contribution, you probably have to pay taxes, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't pay it back, are you ultimately penalized or do you have to pay it back to avoid the penalty? Is it just give you access to it, but you have to put it back? Do we know yet? Maybe. I think that's a great question for a CPA on a future show. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this is like, we're like six, seven days into this. Okay. So, so give us, you know, be graceful with us here. Okay. We're, we're, we're still, we're working on this here. And it's nice too, because like, you know, I say that partly in jest, because I mean, I think it would be great to get, you know, a CPA on to talk about a lot of these, these provisions and what it means for a business owner's taxes, because I think that's a little bit out of, you know, our purview in, in areas as ERISA specialists. Um, but to your point, it's funny how a lot of the stuff isn't laid out or spelled out, or maybe it is, but it's somewhere in that, you know, 4,000 pages of, of legislation for us to, to maybe weed through and find that answer. Um, so it'll be certainly interesting to see how both that provision yeah. and some of the others come to light with their their processes over the uh, the coming months and year. Yeah, let me make a quick um, public service announcement here. And call it call it a uh, a a pitch to have a financial planner sitting at the table with you, especially in the past three years. If you are a business owner, the amount of legislation that has been passed in the past three years that has a potential impact on you between um, PPP money, um, emergency uh, disaster loans through the SBC, um, through the Small Business um, SBA, Small Business Association. Is that what SBA? SBA, um, employee uh, retention credits, Secure 19, Secure 2.0, CARES Act. There is so much stuff happening legislatively 
from a tax standpoint, from a law standpoint, that has impact on you to have a competent CPA, to have a competent attorney, and to have a competent financial planner sitting at the table with you, you will you you will make your money back most probably in spades in um, by having those people on your side. Particularly, the environment is not going to get less complicated. It's not going taxes are not going to get less complicated. On the contrary, it's going to get more and more complicated. So if you're a business owner and you're listening and you're like, man, I, I need to do something for, for my business from an, employee, from, a, from an employee benefit standpoint, particularly a retirement planning standpoint, you may or may not have something on the books now. You may have something on the books now. You don't know if it's the right plan. Is a 401k better than a simple? Is a 401k better than a SEP? When, when do you do this versus that? Do you have a safe harbor 401k or not? Do you do profit sharing with your 401k or not? These are all things that that we can guide you through um, over here. So we should do another show about how to select the right plan. But I think that we, we've hit on a lot right now for our, our business owner friends to, to chew on. So uh, any closing thoughts for us, Vinny? I think as you look into 23 and, and we continue to see challenges, both you know from an economic and business standpoint, as a business owner, I think you need to look at you know what the challenges you're going to face as a business are and say, hey, what do I need to do to, to most importantly keep my employees or my workforce happy and, and help to keep them successful because the better off they are, the harder they're going to work for you. And, and you know, the more that cycle will continue. So uh, I think if we continue to do better for our employees, they'll do better for us and, and uh, we'll have better outcomes in the future. So thank you for having me. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. If you like what you're listening here, share it with someone, share it on social media, and we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a, a review wherever you listen to your podcast and um, shoot us an email. Info at plan-wisely.com. Y'all take care. Information presented and discussed on the Stuff About Money podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute direct financial advice. Consult with a qualified financial advisor prior to implementing any strategies discussed. Eric Garcia and Xavier Angel's branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor not affiliated with Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated.